Hello, Van fans. Welcome to another episode of VFF's Van Life Podcast. How are you doing? I've had a really exciting week this week. I now have a website, vffsvanlife.com. It's a great place to go and check out all the exciting plans that I have for the future of VFFs. So that's pretty cool. Um, I didn't realise how frustrating it can be to build a website so that was an interesting experience that I hope to never repeat again. Um, The other exciting thing that happened as a result of that is I was googling my website to see if it would come up in the search results and a result came up for the Apple podcast charts for Great Britain hobbies category. So I was like oh why did that come up? And I noticed that my podcast name was highlighted in the results. And I was like, oh my goodness, am I in the charts? (laughs) So I went on the website and I was scrolling through and I was like, oh my God, they're just messing with me. I'm not here. And eventually I got down to number 89 and there I was. What can I say? It was such a proud moment. (laughs) And it looked like I'd gone down 48 places from the week before. So I looked into the ranking history and anyway, apparently I was at number seven on the Apple podcast charts for hobbies in the UK (laughs) and I didn't even know. I beat Casual Watch Talk by one position. I beat Beekeeper's Corner Beekeeping Podcast. So that was all very exhilarating. I just want to get up now. I'm hungry for it now. I'm like, oh my God, I got to get to the top. So yeah, proud moment onwards and upwards from here. I did mention it in the last episode, but I just want to remind you guys that I'm doing a petisode soon. So that's an episode completely dedicated to our furry friends. I'm hoping to get all different kinds of animals included in that. If you have a pet that you'd like to feature, or if you have a story that you'd like to be featured in the petisode of VFFs, then please do get in touch at vffspodcast at gmail.com. It's pretty dog heavy at the moment, which is awesome, but it's really nice to hear from people that have slightly unusual pets in their van. I'm talking to someone at the moment who has a snake and another person that has a parrot. So that's kind of cool. And you'll hear about that in the pet episode. If you want to stay up to date with when these things are going to be released or other features that I'm going to do, you can go to the Facebook page just type VFF's podcast into Facebook and you should find it. I just want to take a minute to talk about social media versus reality. So something that I have noticed when interviewing people for my podcast, there seems to be a running theme of people feeling like they failed or they're not doing van life right because of what they've seen on social media. So I just want to say that if you've just started this journey and you're comparing yourself to those squeaky clean YouTubers and Instagrammers, I hope you know that you're not alone. 
I think it's actually like a really common feeling to feel that way. I'm someone that has never really used Instagram or YouTube when it comes to van life stuff, but I can relate to that. And it is weird because it's not as if you even want to compare yourself, but I think you just like automatically do. For example, I came across another UK van life podcast the other day and my first reaction was like oh my god I've got friends this is amazing (laughs) which was nice but it quickly turned when I saw that they had a thousand likes on Facebook I felt like a proper gut punch feeling of like oh you're not good enough because you've only got a hundred likes and I was so surprised by that. It just came out of nowhere. So I just think it's like a weird human thing that we do. And I just want to say, don't worry about it. You're awesome. And if you do find yourself having those thoughts, I think it's important just to remember that you can observe those thoughts. You don't have to feel it. You can be like, oh, that's interesting. I'm comparing myself to that person. Okay then, and just move on. Like, don't get so wrapped up in it because it's not worth it. You're awesome. If you're in a van and you're alive, then you're doing van life right, okay? So just remember that. Anyway, in order to dispel this silly, squeaky clean, fake van life that people see on the internet, I'm starting a segment called Van Life Confessions. So I'll start. When I used to have my little Suzuki carry, I used to go out in it in the daytime and one day I was out and about on a lovely boiling hot August day and I needed to use the toilet. So I got my trusty toilet bucket out of the cupboard I didn't use toilet chemicals and stuff in those days. I just used a plastic bag inside a bucket. So I used it, did a poo, put it back in the cupboard and completely forgot about it. 10 days later, I came to my van, opened the cupboard and the smell is something that I will never forget. It was absolutely horrendous. It was like the smell of death. It was so strong that it was permeating out of a sealed plastic bucket you would think that I would just throw it in the bin. Well, I didn't. I just washed it and I carried on using it. So there you go. That's my van life confession. What's yours? If you do want to share some seriously non-Instagrammable confessions, you can email vffspodcast at gmail.com. So on to this week's guest. This week, I talk to Lizzie. After hiring a camper van and driving around California, Lizzie returned to London with the van life bug and made the impulsive decision to purchase Winnie, a long wheelbase Mercedes Sprinter X work van. After three months of hard work, she moved into her full-time home just in time for the global pandemic to hit. Timing her, we talk about her very well-traveled guinea pig, staying mentally healthy on the road, feminism in the alternative living world and the ups and downs of life as a solo female van lifer. And just keeping things on the toilet theme, the bonus feature for this week is the day I got my toilet. Groundbreaking podcasting as ever. Without further ado, here is the interview with Lizzie. (laughs) 
Lizzie. Hello. Welcome to BFFs. Thank you so much for coming on. That's all right. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. So how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. It's, it's, um, it's a pretty grey day where I am. It's a little bit chilly, but um, I'm all right. Super positive. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm the same. It's pretty cold here, so I'm wrapped up in a blanket and I've got my hot water bottle and uh, my hot drink here to keep me going. <laughs> right then, so let's start with a bit of van chat. So what van do you have? So I've got a long wheelbase high-top um, Hades Sprinter 2013, I think. Most importantly, what colour is it? It's white. I'm a white van driver, <laughs> which is something I never thought I'd say. Oh, um, is it like a stealth van or...? I've got fans on the top, a solar panel on the top, so it's fairly obvious that it's a camper. It, maybe it's a bit more stealthy than some campers, somewhere in the middle of the range, I reckon. Did you um, name the van? Does it have a name? Yeah, she's called Winnie. She's an ex Heathrow Airport van, so um, I like to think I'm giving her kind of her second lease of life. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm very attached to her. That's so funny. My last car was called Winnie. And the first day I got it, um, I left it for half an hour. I came back out and it was absolutely covered in seagull shit. So I was like, oh, there we go. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. You know what? I had to even put two and two together as Winnie the Pooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's good that means if you can keep yeah. the poo be- based moments low I think that's good um, so it was an ex Heathrow airport van was it like a what What did it do at Heath? what did she do I should say at Heathrow <laughs> um, you know what I have no idea um, I just got her from an old car well van dealership um, but she was very much just boarded up as a work van when I got her so I was very much starting from the start when when building her out. When did you get Winnie? So I got her a year ago yesterday, actually. Yeah, it was a bit of a spare of the moment thing. I've been thinking about it for maybe a couple of months. And then I was having a particularly shit day at work and I decided to log off early and just go and look at bands and I had no intention of buying one. But then I walked away having put a deposit down on one. So <laughs> there we go, yeah. That's so amazing. So it was just a real impulsive um decision pretty much like it, it was the final jump like it had really been in like alternative living i've been thinking about maybe a canal boat or something for like the year the year before but that didn't feel like it was going to work at that point in my life so yeah I, I did a road trip around america in a camper van well around california not the whole of america um <laughs> and that was amazing and like when I got back from that, I just could not get the van life out of my head. I was just like, it feels right. But that final jump into actually buying one was very much, yeah, I'll just do that now. Oh, wow. Okay, we'll definitely come back to the California trip. That sounds amazing. Great. And then, so you got it in December. And what happened next? So I was living in a flat in London. So I started building out straight away. I quite maybe preemptively gave in my notice for my flat, so I really gave myself a hard deadline to get her livable by, which with hindsight maybe wasn't the most sensible thing to do. Like three months is really not that long, especially when you're working full time. Oh my and it's goodness. Winter. Um, <laughs> but it was like, it was a case of working full time, and then as soon as I got home, spending like four or five hours in the evening in there in the freezing cold, in the dark, like all by torchlight, getting all the insulation done and stuff. Yeah, I had some lovely friends and family help me out on weekends and things. So, yeah, 
really thankful to them. And then in February this year, 2020, I moved into her full time, not knowing what this year would become. Maybe not the best time to move into a van, oh, but God. yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wild ride. Baptism of fire. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I would rate moving into a van full time during a pandemic to anybody. <laughs> Even just in February is pretty rough, I would say. Well, yeah, and that, yeah. It was, <laughs> I, I say I'd moved into it, like, it wasn't done. It was just livable. Like, I had a bed <laughs> and I had methods for cooking, but, like, the insulation wasn't finished on the ceiling. I was sleeping in, like, fully clothed, scarf, hat, woolly socks three different hot water bottles and multiple blankets. Oh my <laughs> um, so I think I was just still living on the high of having a van, to be honest, but like, I'm very surprised that I carried on. It was quite a way to start. <laughs> wow. What was your first night like when you were in there on your own, freezing cold? <laughs> yeah, so I worked in London, although 2020, not working in London, obviously, um, but the time I was, so I was parked somewhere in East Dulwich, I think, you know, there's hardly anywhere in London that isn't noisy. And I don't have windows in the back of my van, which now I'm really thankful for because when there's loads of noise going on, and, like, now I'm not really too bothered by it, but at first, every little noise just <laughs> made me absolutely terrified. I'm quite thankful that I didn't put windows in the back because otherwise I think I'd be twitching the curtains constantly <laughs> what oh, is going yeah. on. I think on that first night, it was just a complete mixture of what the hell have I done? Like, I had a really nice, cosy flat where I felt very safe, and now I'm sat on a random road in the middle of London in a huge van. What What is wrong with me? <laughs> but also just complete excitement for, like, what was to come, you know, for the independence it was providing me with. So a complete mixture of feelings. And to be honest, I think that sums up van life. Like, after doing it for however long, 10 months now, it's still very much that it's really high highs and really low lows (laughs) but the high highs really make it worth it oh my god yeah I I totally relate to that feeling of like what have I done um but I love those moments as well because like you say it's it's literally it's like you've just jumped off a cliff basically you're like (laughs) why why did I jump off this cliff (laughs) no one was pushing me no one was telling me to yeah so how did it feel to build this van have you done anything like this before no so oh wow it, it was a lot so I think when I first started talking about it for some reason the people I managed to talk to were all like middle-aged men they were like parents or um family friends or people in the office and they were like what really are, are, are you sure are you going to be able to do that what like are you sure you're not going to get a professional to do it and I'm like sure if you have 25 grand for me to pay someone to do it I'm happy, more than happy for you to say. So there was, there was like a lot of doubt around it and actually that just spurred me on so much. Like at the beginning, yes. I was very much like, I'm going to get an electrician in. <laughs> I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to ask for help from carpenters and things. But by the point at which I bought the van, I'd had so many people tell me I couldn't do it. I was so, so determined that actually I was going to do all of it. Oh, I love um, that you said that. Which, <laughs> yeah, and I think part of it is you know I'm, I'm a woman in my 20s not the typical candidate for doing DIY or whatever but honestly and what I say to every woman that I come across who's really interested in man life is all you need is a hand drill and a jigsaw everything you could possibly want to learn is on YouTube you know people say you can't do it it's true you can't do it because you've never done it before 
but you will be able to do it. it. It doesn't matter what skills you've got now, you can learn and you can do things again. I think that's the thing as well. I think most analysts learn a lot on YouTube and I definitely spent like hundreds of hours <laughs> watching it. You know, on there, it might look like they get it done perfectly the first time, but I can bet you they don't. I bet you they've done it before. It's like a blue piece at the moment. Here's one I did earlier. And that, that's what happens in your van. If something goes wrong, you take it apart, you do it again and you learn and it gets easier. And in the end, the fear of getting things wrong is just like so far behind you in the past. Once you've got something that you can live in and it's kind of what you envisaged or better than, but it's actually your home. I've never felt so kind of empowered and strong as I have since I've had the van and like knowing I did that, you know? Yeah, totally. And like all those people that doubted you just spurred you on and uh, I mean obviously it's not about other people in, in a way but it is nice to be like oh yeah you think I can't do it can you well look at this <laughs> I just built my own home so <laughs> yeah exactly and like now so um I've been spending a bit of time on the campsite over winter and like most of the people who are living on there are older guys and they'll pop their head in they're like you did this yourself did you and now it's just like a really nice conversation starter and I think it immediately gives someone a little bit of a view as to who you are because like I think there's nothing more personal than a house you've bought for you, not, not bought right a house that you've built for yourself every last inch of that van is kind of my personality oh my goodness I cannot believe that that people still in this day and age are like but you're a woman it's I mean I'm assuming that's what yeah. it is maybe it's not <laughs> yeah, maybe it's because you're even, young or yeah if, even when you're driving like if you're on a motorway and like, you're a big white man, people don't like you on a motorway. And I try not to be a bad driver. <laughs> but um, like people will be trying to get past you or whatever. And you know when they come up to you and they go to look at you in the window and, and they mouth off at you yeah. or whatever. And then you see, you see it in their face that they're not expecting to see a five foot four woman behind the wheel. <laughs> and suddenly they're like, oh. Oh, okay and they back off and just drive away <laughs> there's definitely just something that in most people's minds that van and me do not go together <laughs> whereas for me it's like it's part of me <laughs> oh my goodness I love that I can just imagine that oh that's brilliant they're like ready to give you the finger and then they're like oh so sorry madam <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah <laughs> oh. it's amazing and I just laugh every time so why did you make the decision to move into your van it's a weird one, and I think almost my reasoning becomes clearer with, like, a retrospective view. So I think when I was first making the decision, it was just, I didn't like living in London. Um, I've been living there for three years. It's just not for me. Uh, I felt trapped by the rent. It's, it's just so incredibly expensive and not being able to do what I wanted to the place I was living in. But also, I did quite a lot of solo travel. I'm, like, backpacked around Europe. I've done a road trip around California, as I said before. I've been to Slovenia, like best place in Europe, I love it there. And I just feel most myself when I have very little in my backpack and I'm exploring. I just felt like, why on earth would I limit myself to feeling like myself for only like two or three weeks a year? Why would I not make a decision such as van life to feel closer to my true self all of the time? That's kind of what drove it, I think. And then on top of that, just having an adventure. Like, I just, I've been looking at tiny houses and van life and alternative living for so many years on YouTube. And I just thought, like, if not now, then when? 
and if it, if it went wrong at least I gave it a go yeah absolutely that's the thing isn't it it's like if not now then when am I going to do it like when do, exactly do I think that life is happening like life is happening now yeah and I think so many people are like I can't do van life unless I've got 10 grand in the bank ready to like make a make the perfect van and then b bugger off around Europe you know it's like <laughs> whereas I was doing it with working full-time I'm now working and studying part-time I, I don't think last year even I would have thought that that was possible but that to me is what the beauty of van life is it's curating a life that works around what you need it to and something that facilitates what you want to do I think so many people think it's this sunshine filled lifestyle <laughs> that you usually see on YouTube with people traveling around the world and that is a, an amazing part of it like being able to go on adventures is amazing but for some people, van life is just about facilitating, you know, being able to own your own home or having a bit more flexibility in life. If, if you are going to work for 40 hours a week, if you're fortunate enough for it to be something that you completely love, fine. If you're like the most of us and you're doing it because you need to pay your rent, you need to at least be coming home to somewhere where you feel really comfortable. And if it's somewhere that's just literally draining money from you or you're with people you don't feel comfortable with, then that's a really quick way to start spiraling into some quite negative spaces so van life is a really nice alternative if you have the means to do it so who lives in your van with you lizzie yeah so it's me and my guinea pig basil um so i had two guinea pigs before i moved into the van and i just could not face giving them up (laughs) i haven't seen anyone else have a guinea pig in a van yet i've seen lots of cats and dogs and i've seen one rabbit but i have a feeling he might be the first van guinea pig um, oh, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> the whole van is planned around them. So I have a ridiculously high sofa so that they can have a double level hutch so that they're not compromised. It's my decision to live in a van, so if I'm living in a tiny space, that's fine, but I'm not going to give them a tinier space because that's not fair. But yeah, one of them unfortunately died in the summer, um, actually when we were staying in a house rather than a van. <laughs> so oh, no. um, that was really unfortunate. But yeah, so now it's me and Basil, and he's actually doing really well on his own, which is surprising. Guinea pigs usually don't do very well on their own, but I think because I've been working from van um, this year, like he's never on his own and he, he gets cuddled constantly throughout the day. So we very much keep each other going, I think. <laughs> oh, and um, how does he find the motion of the van when it's in motion? Is he comfortable? Yeah, so when I first got it, I'd put him in like one of those little carry cases you used to take animals to the vet and put it on the passenger seat. And I looked mad. I looked like I was putting like baby seats in the front or something. Um, <laughs> but they really didn't like it. Now I just leave them in the hutch in the back and they kind of, they know to just sit in their little cosy hay boxes and they find it fine, yeah, it doesn't seem to be bothered at all, isn't bothered by the noise or anything, the only thing that's ever slightly worrying is, is temperature, um, so I just have to kind of keep an eye on not letting it get too cold or too hot but yeah he's he's a very well-traveled little pig <laughs> oh that's adorable i love the idea that you built the van around <laughs> around basil as well that's oh, so cute. completely mindful but yeah <laughs> oh my gosh i'd love to see a picture you're gonna have to send me um a picture I will. <laughs> <laughs> talking about working from your van how have you found that yeah, so a little bit difficult. So I, I built the van thinking that I'd be working in an office full-time um, and just sleeping in it and using it at the weekend. So I didn't build it with, like, a really comfortable workspace. So it's been a little bit of trial and error and just kind of getting into a routine. I think the 
the thing I find most difficult is literally just being in such a small space all day. It's just so important to like have a routine. Leave the van before you start work. Leave the van at lunchtime. Go on a proper walk, and the same after, and you know, move around the van a little bit so that you're not literally sat in the same spot all day and stand up <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've gotten used to it. It's been what eight months now, and, and I'm I'm getting there. I think the, the hardest part is like when you're on a conference call and maybe you're like parked in a car park or something and there's someone being rowdy outside. <laughs> it's hard to explain that sometimes. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. I mean, so, as you're saying this, a big tractor just drove past and it's raining. <laughs> so, you know, this is all going to be like the ambient <laughs> noise yeah. behind this chat. So, yeah, I totally get that. It's um, The worst one is when you're somewhere and like someone puts a generator on. Yeah. It just sounds like someone's drilling and it's like, oh, please, no, don't do that. Or, or they play music really loudly or whatever. And it's like, okay. Yeah, you're like, I, I know I cannot ask you to shut up. <laughs> that, that's, that's just part of fan life. So where are you based at the moment? So yeah, I'm spending the winter in Norfolk. My, my family's from Hertfordshire, um, just north of London. So I've spent most of this year around Hertfordshire. Cambridge and Norfolk just because I didn't want to be too far away from them if they needed me or if I needed them yeah it's it's an area of the country that I haven't really explored very much but I've gotten to know quite well I I wasn't planning on staying in one spot for winter but when it started getting cold and the clocks changed I was just getting really tired finding these spaces like mostly I do wild camps so yeah I booked myself into a campsite in Norfolk for four months over winter and that's been really lovely it's just kind of taken the stress out of every day you know trying to find your head down so that's been really lovely and, and not to mention having hot showers available to me whenever I want <laughs> oh yes that makes such a difference to have access to facilities it changes everything completely and like being able to do your clothes washing and not sit in a laundrette for a few hours and just go away and do what you want little home comforts to just get you through the dark and cold months are there other people there as well um wintering there Yes, there are. So I think there's about 10 of us. And obviously through lockdown, they were, re- they were really kind and they let us stay there as long as we adhered to all the COVID guidance. There weren't any other people in. It was just the kind of long-termers. Since lockdown finished last week, it's now reopened. And surprisingly, the campsite is like completely full every day, which I'm amazed by. I just kind of thought if you had a house, you'd probably want to be in it <laughs> when it's been cold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the youngest one there by far, but it's really nice. Everyone kind of pops their head in, says hello, and kind of looks out for me. I've had, like, leaky roof issues, but they've all seen me climbing on my roof with sealant and a drill and things. So they're all checking them all right and offering help and things. So that that side of it's been nice as well, to kind of have fairly consistent human interaction because it can be a bit um, hit and miss with van life. Everyone offers come out and have a coffee or whatever, and... If I'm not there for a day, they'll kind of notice. I think one of the things that makes me a bit nervous sometimes with van life is at times nobody knows where I am. (laughs) And although that can be an incredibly empowering and freeing feeling, at other times you're like, if something went wrong, who who would who would know about it? And like, how long would it take for me to like reach someone or whatever? So. It is just really nice to just be able to stay like high in the morning and have a quick chat, especially in 2020. Like so much of my interaction is over the phone or webcam with work and stuff. So it's really nice to just have 
in person conversations. Have you felt the lack of feminine energy in that space? Definitely, 100%. It's the thing I've noticed most about the band community since joining it. Um, whether in person or online, it's just so dominated by, especially in the UK, by middle-aged white men. You know, that's great, they can enjoy it and whatever, but it's nice to see some people who are like you sometimes as well. I think the female experience of van life can be so different because, you know, safety genuinely is an issue. If someone sees you getting in and out of your van, if you're, if you're not moving for a couple of days, and someone notices you getting in and out of your van, you don't know who they are, and they might be unsafe. Like, so I haven't built my van so that I can get into the front very easily, which in hindsight is something I would like to <laughs> to change. So the amount of times I've, like, done a dive into the front, like, over the seats, <laughs> so that I don't have to get out of my van and face, like, <laughs> whoever's out there before I drive away is just ridiculous. And, you know, you say that to male van lifers and to like what why why wouldn't you just get out <laughs> and you're like well because I just woke up I'm in my pajamas I don't necessarily want to present myself in that way with all of my possessions behind me to yeah your personal his, space like four dogs <laughs> it's just great to hear different perspectives of van life because depending on where you're from what job you do gender, sexual orientation, race, it could just be so different because of the way that people view you. So I've had experiences that have made me face the reality that I am a woman on my own in a van and that is actually unsafe and I don't want that to be true. It's not as if I want that to be true and it's not as if I walk around identifying as such a feminine female person all the time but the problem is we both know that like there's plenty of like incredible wonderful men out there but unfortunately there's a lot of men that like haven't been raised properly and they see a woman on their own and your behavior can be interpreted as an invitation even if you're not giving any signals at all that person can think that even just the fact that you're there on your own in a van is an invitation for them to come over to you and and um like ask if you want to like have sex in the back of the van or something you know like there's a lot of weird people out there that have got really weird ideas about women (laughs) completely like the weirdest thing that i found since living in a van and this isn't just men or anything but when I'm sat there with the door open because I'm in a nice spot with a lovely view, people put their their whole head into your van. <laughs> like, they don't just stand outside. <laughs> they actually put their body inside your van to have a look. And it's like 90% of the, 99% of the time, it's fine and they're not dangerous and they're not trying to scare you. But that is my safe space, you know. But like, is it fine though? I, I don't know if it is well, fine. <laughs> Well, exactly. No, that's, that's the point. Yeah, it makes me feel uncomfortable, so it's clearly not fine. <laughs> I've just learned to accept that it happens, which is a sad reality, really. But, yeah, most of the time, they're just being nosy. They just want to know what you're doing. And I think when you live in public spaces, essentially, that's just something you end up having to accept, that people are going to want to know what you're doing. But, like, my mind specifically goes to I was in Nottingham at some point in um, the summer. And without realising, I managed to park up at a pretty busy jogging spot. 
my gosh. Yeah, and I that was my door open because it was a really lovely wooded area, which is probably why they were there. And there were these men literally circling my van. Oh like, my god! They'd like walk into the, the woods so that they could come to the van with the view of my open door, so that they could see who I was and what was going on in there. That was pretty scary and then one of the guys actually walked right up to me had a conversation just a normal conversation with me for like 15 minutes but I was incredibly uncomfortable and suddenly felt how vulnerable I was he was in the way of my only exit (laughs) yeah it's just you know I, I was just sat there reading my book or whatever and what could I have done if he if he'd wanted to do anything it, it would have been terrifying the really nice side of that is at the end of the conversation he then was like by the way this is a pretty <laughs> this is a pretty busy spot and you probably want to move <laughs> so like it was really nice of him to warn me in the end but I felt so incredibly vulnerable and as you said it's horrible when Van life is such an empowering and independent way of life at times and it makes you feel so strong it makes you feel like you can take on anything and then having to accept that actually a side of it is that you can't you can't take on absolutely everything and sometimes you are just going to be vulnerable and there are some situations you just shouldn't put yourself in being completely stubborn and going no I just I wanted to park here I'm gonna park here you know you could do that but then you'd feel really unsafe probably wouldn't get any sleep and might put yourself in genuine danger (laughs) yeah and like what I find like really frustrating is like you said you spoke to him for 15 minutes that is something that we've been socialized to do like like really I'm not I'm not blaming you at all but really what you probably if you had the ability to actually like act how you wanted to you probably would have been like yeah "Yeah, mate I don't want to talk to you actually but like you can't because actually you just go into like alarm mode and you're like okay I just have to be really nice to this guy because I don't want this to escalate into any kind of situation so I just have to be nice and keep calm and just wait till he goes away and just hope he goes away (laughs) Exactly. In the UK, at least, what I've found is there's usually two reactions to you living in a van. One, just complete curiosity and, like, wonder and just, you know, want to ask all the questions. And then two, anger. Just yesterday, I was standing in my van with the door open doing a little bit of tidying up on a public road outside a friend's house. And this guy just walked up to me and he was annoyed at how I'd parked, which is absolutely fine. And, you know, if you walk up to me and say, hiya, you're parked annoyingly, can you move? Then my answer is always going to be, oh yeah, sure, sorry. But instead of that, he walked up to me with anger and was like, immediately, you parked where you shouldn't be, I'm going to call the police. I've had that happen to me over the last year so many times. Even when I lived in London and I parked outside my own flat, I had my own neighbours call the police on me. (laughs) Um, Just for being parked and doing work in there. Because they said I was being too noisy. When the police came along, they were like, oh, you're building a camper van. That's cool. And then just walked off. Okay, so today I'm telling you guys about Fetcher Chocolates. Fetcher Chocolates is an independent female-owned business that sells luxury handmade vegan chocolate. I've been eating vegan chocolate for years and nothing comes close to Fetcher Chocolates. It tastes amazing and it looks beautiful. It really is the perfect gift for special occasions and something that everyone can enjoy. It's dairy, gluten and soy free, so great for allergy sufferers, but also for anyone. I mean, this chocolate is so good, you don't have to be vegan to enjoy it. 
There are classic flavours such as milk chocolate mousse and golden salted caramel, as well as these special Christmas flavours, gingerbread, milk chocolate orange and white chocolate candy cane. I loved the blackberry mousse bar with homemade bramble jelly and real blackberries. I'm definitely going to be getting that one again. It smelt incredible and it tasted so good. When I received my order, I was really impressed with the beautiful presentation. The colours are brown and black with a really classy gold logo and the packaging can all be recycled as paper, so no plastic in sight. Fetcher also plants trees to offset the packaging, so it's an eco-friendly choice as well. When I want to buy a friend a beautiful, delicious gift, I just go to fetcherchocolates.com and I get them a gorgeous gift that they will love. Fetcher Chocolates are offering listeners of this podcast 10% off with promo code VFF. Enter promo code VFF at checkout to receive a 10% discount on your order. Yep, that's 10% off. So go on, go to fetcherchocolates.com and get that chocolate in your life. You will not regret it. so many people are just angry with you and so as you were saying being a woman I think we're generally taught to be quite submissive and just be nice and kind and don't upset anybody and actually in van life I've, I've, I've found myself doing it even more which I really don't enjoy it doesn't make me feel good at all but when so many people are walking up to you with anger being their primary emotion you just learn to like not cause any more offense <laughs> Yeah, because you value Um, your own personal safety and unfortunately that's how you have to act because, yeah, it's 2020. Where's Beyonce when, like, some perverts, like, just open the door of your van without, you know, with no notice and, like, you're on your own? Like, it doesn't make any difference. Like, there's still so many people out there that just uh, see women as an object and it means that you're a target, unfortunately. I think that's really important. Like the first thing I when I'm wild camping, the first thing I do is I just sit in the cab for like 15 minutes once I've parked up and just see how I feel. And I think when I first started, I felt like I failed if I had to move on because I didn't feel safe. Even if like I'd been sat there for a few hours and then suddenly people rocked up and like did make me feel a bit weird. But I think that's like one of my biggest pieces of advice to people who are new to it. Just if you don't feel right, move on, and that's completely okay. And you can come back another time and try if it's a really nice spot. But you're not failing. Where do you think that that concept of failing at van life comes from? Because it's quite an interesting concept that a lot of people experience. Definitely. So when I first started, I was following every van lifer on Instagram. I was in every single van life group on Facebook, really throwing myself into it, watching all the YouTube videos. It's what happens in normal life with social media. You start to compare yourself to everybody and people only share the good bits they don't necessarily show you the bits where the van's broken down or they're crying because there's there's water coming through the ceiling or they've found mould in the ceiling like me last week. And so you, you just get to a point where you're like, <laughs> they're all fine. You know, they, they don't look like they're having these problems. Why am I having these problems? For me, it's been really important to not follow everyone all the time and not take everything I see for face value and to just really trust my own experience and then have genuine conversations with people. Making contact through these groups has has been really lovely. I've met some really lovely people or literally people that I've just been parked near who, like, come over for a chat. That's kind of the lovely real side of van life. And when you start saying things like, oh, you know, this is broken, that's broken, um, or this was really lovely last week, you know, 
you start to realise very soon that we're all having very similar experiences and it makes you feel a lot better about it. But if you're brand new to the community and all you're seeing is these lovely, shiny videos and pictures, then it can be really hard to experience the tougher sides of fan life. I've got quite an interesting perspective because before I started using Facebook recently for the van life communities and stuff, I don't use Instagram or like, I don't really watch like, you know, I don't like subscribe to YouTubers or anything like that. And like, um, I just grew up in Devon with a load of like my mum's friends. They were all crusty hippies and they all had like beat up old vans. (laughs) And in my mind, that was what it is to like live in a van and like... I was so shocked when I found out about this whole like weird Ikea catalogue van life thing that's going on. It's <laughs> it's just so, I just don't understand because that's not what I've seen. Yeah, I can imagine like if you are really interested in getting into van life and you go on YouTube and you watch these people, yeah, I can imagine you can feel like I'm not doing this right because it's not going the way I've seen on the internet. Exactly. Or and like so many of them have, they have like carpentry or electrical skills or they're being sponsored and they have companies sending them the best lithium batteries you can buy it's a very quick way to feel like a your build isn't good enough and b you're not good enough like i said before the best thing about van life is you build it to fit you you're not building it to fit the rest of the community and that's a lovely thing when you get together that every van is completely different that's just a lovely thing about it we shouldn't all be building exactly the same van we shouldn't all be comparing ourselves to each other we should just be embracing how diverse the community and our vans are (laughs) yeah no I love that you said that because I feel like even though Pavel my boyfriend built this van I designed it and it's like this is my personality in the van yeah and I decided not to look at anything on YouTube because I was like like you said I just want to fit it around my life and what I need and what I want in a space and I've never felt so at home yeah it is so lovely when you just like slide open the door or whatever you walk in and you're just like "Ah, I'm home (laughs) like every single little detail in here I decided that it was going to be exactly where it is I love it and it's down to the millimeter you decided you know (laughs) it's so cool We've talked a lot about what you love about your van. Is there anything that you really struggle with and hate about your van? Yeah, so I think once you live in your van for a while, you start to realise that, you know, that seat should have been over there. My seat is ridiculously high and uncomfortable because there's a guinea pig hatch underneath it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you do you start to get ideas for how you might change it and you know that cupboard should be over there maybe I should be able to access my clothes a little bit easier so that getting dressed isn't difficult literally just last week I've moved everything that's in every cupboard to try and make my life just a little bit simpler the main thing for me is I'm an introvert naturally like I really appreciate time on my own and I didn't necessarily realize how lonely it could be sometimes and how when something goes wrong it's really nice to have somebody there or like when you're faced with a difficult decision like do I stay here tonight do I move on is it safe is it not when it's just you and that is on your shoulders that's quite a lot to take on it feels like you have to be alert quite a lot of the time whereas if you were with a friend or a partner then you know maybe you could have five minutes off while they worry about it So I think that's probably the biggest challenge. But at the same time, uh, so I was parked in Peckham, I think, in London. And there was a guy parked behind me who also lived in his van. He came for a chat and he'd been doing it for about eight years. 
and he was just like this experience is going to teach you more about yourself than anything you've ever done before and I think I was only a few months in then and wow he was he was so right <laughs> you spend so much time just in your own company that you really have to understand how how do you like to spend your time is it reading is it listening to podcasts do you feel safe in certain spaces like what do you enjoy what do you not how do you need to structure your day so that it's the least stressful for you like there's just so much that you don't really think about because it's a completely new way of learning it's not like living in a house where you don't really have to think so much about what you enjoy I mean you should because you should enjoy every day of your life but people don't mm-hmm. because they've just been living that way for however many years that's both the hardest part of my life but also the most enriching part just learning so much about yourself but at times it can just be a little bit much like last week I got leaks through my roof I then started pulling away at the roof to kind of see what was happening and found loads of condensation in there and mould and literally just had to take my whole ceiling down. I spent a few days persevering and just thinking, I'm not going to let this get the better of me. Like thinking, I made this decision to live in a van. No one else should have to deal with me. But actually giving yourself that permission to sometimes just sit down and go, you know what, right now this is too much. I'm going to go and stay with someone or I'm going to ask someone for help. Allowing yourself to do that is just really important. And going back to that whole failure thing, taking time away from your van is not a failure. <laughs> like It is a difficult way of life at times. It's also a beautiful way of life. But sometimes, if you need that time away, like sometimes I literally just don't want to see my van for a day. <laughs> it's like an annoying sibling or something. Like, just go away for one day, please. Yeah, you get um, a bit allergic to it, I think, sometimes. Yeah. And it makes you feel sick. You're like, no, I just cannot yeah. be in here anymore. <laughs> and then it wears <laughs> off and it's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, you come back to it and you're like, oh, no, I love you, really. It's all good in the end, but sometimes you do just need that time away. And that's okay as well. But I think, A, it's lonely sometimes, and B, when something goes wrong, that can be really stressful. I think you're you're right, like you do need to take a break and it is funny isn't it how it can make you feel like oh my god I can't tell anyone that I stayed in a hotel last (laughs) night because and it's like come on man like no one's thinking about you like that like everyone looking in probably totally understands it's like oh god yeah she totally needed to take a break or or whatever it's a lot of pressure most people are like how do you not do it more like why aren't you doing that yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so in the Facebook van life community, there was this one van life group that I used to be a member of that I've since left because I just got so sick of the blowjob jokes and the misogyny. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually saw that a couple of times you'd raised some um, issues in there about certain subjects and just got like completely shut down. I just thought it was really disgusting, number one. But also I thought, wow, thank God someone is talking about these things. Yeah, so um, can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, yeah, I was, I was in one of these groups and uh, I essentially noticed that whenever a woman posted anything, literally just, how do I insulate my van? A very simple question. There would always be a comment from someone that was sexual which just completely boggled my mind like why do you take somebody asking a very simple question and asking for very simple responses why do you take that as an invitation to be a, be a predator <laughs> yeah exactly and like the only responses that were there were kind of, well, either people egging them on or a jokey, oh, come on now, mate. And I just, I got to the point where 
I wasn't certain that it was safe to be part of those groups. And I thought that was a real shame because I think the community and the advice that you can gather from those groups is overwhelming. If you have an issue, there's always going to be someone there who could um, give you some advice or actually might come and help you, which is amazing to have that resource at your fingertips. So I don't want those groups to be ruined, but I also don't want the van life community to become this misogynistic space where women and non-binary and queer people feel unsafe yeah i've got a particular post essentially being like this is a form of harassment and most of you don't know you're doing it but you are here's a bit of information and you know if it's happened to you and you feel unsafe you can get help from people and like there are, there are people in these groups who they will support you and like report it to the admins or whatever because this should be a safe space for us because quite a lot of the time people in the van life community you know they might have an unsafe day like we've talked about they might be parked somewhere unsafe they don't also then want to go and log on to their facebook and feel unsafe it's just a lot and yeah in a couple of groups i got so much support like thank you so much for saying this i'd really wanted to talk about it in one group they even made me an admin and we're like okay we want a woman on our admin group so that if any female or non-male i should say um if any non-male members of the group want to report something and feel more comfortable talking to you then we'll let them and I thought that was really kind of them and then there was this one group where there were over 200 comments of people abusing me essentially there were a few comments of people being like thank you and trying to help defend me but the majority of them were guys who make these kind of jokes who were really upset that they weren't that they were being called out on it and that it wasn't acceptable and they didn't want to accept that fact that their behavior was making people feel unsafe and the saddest part of that is that the admin then blocked me from the group. So that shows you how that admin feels about it as well. So. And also, I just want to say that this post was like the least offensive to these people it could possibly have been. There was nothing in it which was like, your behaviour is unacceptable and you should be ashamed of yourself. And it wasn't oh, yeah, like that yeah. at all. It was just literally like, guys, I just want to educate you that like this is making people feel uncomfortable and can we maybe learn something? I get it. People don't like people coming in and kind of going, hey, I know a little bit about this and it looks like you don't. <laughs> so can you learn? Um, I get that. I, I get why they might be pissed off. I just didn't. I didn't anticipate that level of negativity. <laughs> and from a feminist point of view, there there are some there are some corners of the van life community where I just don't feel that there's any genuine commitment to inclusivity at all. And then on the mental health side, that messed with me <laughs> essentially. Um, oh, I can imagine. I just felt, yeah, it's just a lot of negativity for one person to feel. And as I said before, when you're sat on your own in your small van and having 50 guys all tell you that you're an awful person and don't know what you're talking about and you're just too sensitive, which is lovely gaslighting, um, yeah. that, that can really get to you because you you're physically on your own, but it feels like there's so many people going for you. It's disempowering. So really, exactly. Um, and, like, there's all this amazing work going on in the world at the moment to make people more aware of what people go through and how inequalities impact different groups of people. And that just really beat me down and was like, wow, we've got so far to go. And that was really upsetting. So I've taken a step back from those groups, which is sad. But I, well, first of all, I made a new group, um, so the Alternative Feminist on Facebook. But since then, I've like still found those groups a little bit too much. I've taken a little bit of a step back. But I think that group is still going on with some lovely people stepping in as admins. 
and that's just a really safe space for people to talk about alternative living. Alternative feminist, did you say? Alternative feminist. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it's only small and it doesn't have great ambitions or anything. It just felt like that space didn't currently exist online for the intersection of people living alternatively who are also feminists. Mm-hmm. Um, at least in the UK. I think in the US they have some great groups, but in the UK I think we're a little bit behind. So that was a tricky moment in my van life experience. <laughs> and how did you get through that? So I think like I'm pretty open generally. I struggle with my mental health a little bit, which is potentially why I took it so hard. Although I think anyone would take it quite hard if you're having that many people shout at you online. But oh for me, like van life is most definitely a tool to manage my mental health. Just having the access to nature is incredible. It just pushes you to go outside every day, take a walk, which is great. But then also just the simplicity of the way that you're living. One of the things that I love most is just how mindful you have to be about every single task you're doing. Because there's so little space. Okay, if I'm going to do cooking, I have to prepare it over here. And then, you know, I have a little camping gas stove. I don't have it built in or anything. Got to get that out got to take my time you know if you're doing the washing up you've really got to think about it where am I going to get the water from how much water am I going to use where am I going to leave it to dry it's just bringing life back down to a much simpler state I find that really really helpful to not overthink everything that I could possibly be thinking about at one time I mean aside from that I've got Basil my guinea pig (laughs) he's great like when I'm having a bad day I can just give him a cuddle and then I guess aside, getting into podcasts really helps me because, you know, having a human voice talking is quite nice when you live on your own. And then, as I said before, taking time off from van life. Like, that's a really important part of my self-care, actually knowing when to kind of go, you know what, I just need to sit in a space in one place for a week where I'm not going to run out of water, there's heating on tap. Exactly, (laughs) that's the biggest thing, isn't it? The temperature regulation. Yeah. Like, if you wake up absolutely freezing, you've got to have a lot of willpower to turn that into a positive day. Like, to get <laughs> yeah. up and <laughs> be like, nope, I'm just going to let it get me and I'm not going to stay in bed for the next three hours because it's too cold outside, but I'm going to do it. So, yeah, just accepting how you feel every day and not being too harsh on yourself is really key. And, and the thing I found most difficult, actually, is asking for help. And I still find it difficult because... I'm fairly independent anyway, and then I think living this way just makes you feel like you are the most independent person in the world, But and, and you're slightly outside of normal society, so you're like, oh, other people won't understand, but that's completely not true. People are so lovely, just strangers on the campsite that I'm on at the moment, for example, like, mentioned that I had a leak, immediately offered to help get up there and fix it with me, or, you know, I've got this thing that you can put over it, or whatever. Just reaching out to people is really important as well, not isolating yourself. Oh, that's so nice. At the end of the day, if you've got that lovely little circle around you, which I'm fortunate enough to have, the second I'm like, guys, it's all gone to shit, they all rally around me. And I've immediately got offers that you can stay here for a week, you can come and do your laundry here, you know, whatever. As I said, (laughs) the last week has not been great with my my feeling issues. And most of my crying was that I was just completely overwhelmed by the love that I received from everyone around me, um, friends and family who were just offering to help with no strings attached and I think that's like kind of the the most amazing feeling just to have basically unconditional love thrown your way so when you need it most as well it's it is so overwhelming exactly and I just think when you're in a community that's slightly outside of the norm it's so easy to 
shut yourself away from everyone else and just think, no, 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 this is within the band community, this is specific to us, but that's not true. You know, people from different backgrounds, different places, I mean, I'm talking about family and friends, but strangers offer to help sometimes as well. It's just, it's really beautiful, the human interactions that you do get to witness when you live in a slightly weird way, because <laughs> maybe you're looking at the world like in a slightly different way as well. Yeah, and what I think, like, them so much more meaningful as well like when you're in those really low moments okay so uh are you happy to move on now to a new subject yeah cool okay so you mentioned earlier that you did a road trip in the usa tell me about that (laughs) that was amazing so yeah last year 2019 in october i went california i just saw some really really cheap tickets to san francisco and on a whim but them i tend to do things on a whim yeah sounds um, like it <laughs> <laughs> and when i started planning where i wanted to go it's such a big state that it became really clear that i'd have to have a car but once you start looking at having a car and different hotel every night or something get quite expensive so I'd been looking at van life anyway so I just thought well maybe I'll try out a camper van so I rented a camper van out there um it was really cool it was like covered in sea life graffiti like turtles and things it was awesome oh Um, wow and started off in San Francisco and I went over to Yosemite so yes I'd watched free solo where that guy climbs up El Capitan with no boat um oh my goodness and I just thought, I've got to see this place for myself. <laughs> and it was absolutely stunning. I've never seen anything like it. I spent some time in the suit in the Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park as well. Oh, I really um, want to go there. Absolutely incredible. The different landscapes that you have just in one state is absolutely amazing. And just the scale of everything that you're seeing, I've never seen anything like it. So I did a lot of hiking and stuff there. And then back round to the coast, um, around Monterey, saw some lovely wildlife, like elephant seals, saw a humpback whale, oh, wow. beautiful, and then um, did the route up the coast, which felt very cinematic. Um, oh my goodness. And back, to, <laughs> yeah, um, and back to San Francisco, and they've got really cool um, websites in America, which is kind of like Airbnb, but for campsites. And so I stayed in some just really cool places, like in like an apple orchard, one that was just right on the coast that could open my door and just see the sea. It's beautiful. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. Absolutely terrifying. And I think like most of my travel previously is in Europe. And that's always quite, if you need to get home, you can probably um, scrounge the cash together or ask for help from people or buy a very cheap train ticket and spend a few few days getting home or whatever. But you're never that far away from home. Whereas on the other side of the US, I very much felt like, okay, I'm here and I've got got to make it work. With the added issue of, like, they have bears there. (laughs) That was my biggest fear because there are all these horror stories of if you leave food in your camper van then you're going to wake up to a brown bear trying to get into your van. That was absolutely terrifying. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, um, no, all the campsites are really good. They've got, like, bear lockers where you leave your stuff. But it just meant, like, I was was way too scared to go out for a pee in the night. (laughs) So yeah, that was my first experience of van life, which was just an incredible way to do it. Like, it's completely different to what van life is like in the UK when you're living full-time, trying to work and stuff, but it gave me the bug, for sure. Oh my gosh, I can really relate to the bear fear, because um, 
I went to the States about 10 years ago now. I was staying with a friend who like lived in the middle of nowhere and he was like, oh, here's where you're going to sleep. And it was like a tent in an unbuilt house. So it was just like the frame of a house. And this was in like Alaska, uh, literally in the middle of nowhere. I was absolutely terrified that like I was going to get eaten, basically. I, I've never known fear like it because at least if you're in a van you hear them coming in a yeah. bloody tent I, I just felt like I had no chance and there was a couple of nights where I could hear something outside and I was just like oh my god this is it this is how I die yeah <laughs> oh, I've had so many of those moments traveling and like living in a van where you're, you accept it you're like today's the day <laughs> this is how it ends for me yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so funny. Wow, that sounds amazing. I'd love to do that. I've never been to California, um, and it's just calling my name, maybe next year. <laughs> and you said you went to um, Europe as well, and you really enjoyed Slovenia. Yeah, oh, it's gorgeous. It's like a cheaper version of Austria. <laughs> <laughs> but also less explored and discovered by us Western Europeans. Beautiful mountains. It's so green, really clear, and huge lakes around the Julian Alps. I went hiking for a couple of weeks a few years ago now and it was just the most peaceful couple of weeks that I've had. Again, they've got bears, so some scary oh moments when hiking. Tend to just go places where they're bears. Everyone's just like, oh, you have quite an irrational fear of them. I don't think it's that irrational. They are uh, bears. <laughs> yeah, literally, like, they could kill you in two seconds. It's not irrational. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it's incredible. It's got this amazing cave system in the south never seen anything like it it just looks like another world so yes if you're into nature and hiking really fresh air <laughs> and really lovely food then Slovenia is kind of top of my places to visit in Europe I think so I wanted to ask you a little bit about your like hobbies in your van as well so what do you um, like to do to pass the time in your van so yeah listening to podcasts is a big one also reading and music so I as a sing and getting in the van and bought myself a ukulele which I'm not great at and also the cold temperatures in winter just mean it never stays in tune anymore (laughs) and I've also bought um, a little kalimba like a little thumb piano which is just really soothing I'm not necessarily good at playing it but it's one of those great instruments where it doesn't matter what you press everything sounds really lovely and melodic (laughs) and then do a little bit of sketching my mum got me into crocheting this year like she's crocheted for years and I just take the mick out of her so badly but this year she actually managed to get me into it as well so one day <laughs> I will finish the scarf that I'm making I guess the biggest thing isn't actually in my van it, it's walking I just spend so much of my time walking around wherever I'm parked trying to get out every day a couple of times oh it's so nice isn't it when when you're parked up somewhere like you say you go out for a couple of times a day and normally the weather has changed or whatever has changed so it's like two different experiences I love that that is probably my one of my favourite things about the van lifestyle. For sure, no, it's so nice. Right, so before we wrap up, it's time to ask you if you have any van life confessions, Lizzie. I certainly do. <laughs> so when I first got the van, I used a chemical toilet. I've now got a composting toilet because of what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, with a chemical toilet, if you've used one before, they are stinky little things and need emptying fairly regularly because you put loads of liquid in it before you've even used it so it gets full quite quickly and then then you need to find somewhere to empty it (laughs) so 
a large portion of my summer roaming around Cambridgeshire and Norfolk was essentially spent walking around with like a bag for life with my toilet in it, <laughs> like trying to hide it so that no one could see it. Just walking around high street trying to find <laughs> a shop or a supermarket or a public <laughs> toilet that I could empty it in because like most people say campsites, if you give them a fiver, they'll like use their services. A lot of them will, but I couldn't ever find one that would take me on the day that I needed it. So anyway, yeah, I'm just walking around into whatever town with my toilet, which is like making horrible, like <laughs> sloppy noises. <laughs> and like, there's just, yeah, there's just one instance in particular uh, where I was like, I found a Tesco that was big enough that it had loose. So I went in there and like emptied it. And oh my God, unless you've emptied one of these toilets, you don't know what it was like, but it smells like absolute death. It's <laughs> horrific. Like living in a van, you become very well acquainted with all of your bodily fluids, <laughs> but you don't want anyone else to smell it. <laughs> um, yeah, empty in a public toilet, absolutely awful. I thought I'd like got away with it. I thought I was absolutely fine, and then I come out and there's a queue of people waiting oh, to go no. in. And I, I've just like never felt so ashamed in my life. And like they didn't know I had a toilet, so they must have just thought I was having a very bad day. Um, <laughs> and it just kind of scuttles away, and 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 just yeah, went off. And, and then the, the shame of that became far too much. So I've now built myself a separating toilet, which is not such a big issue. <laughs> yeah, that, that's my van life confession. Oh my God, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is such a good story. <laughs> that's all right. I find with van life that like, you, talk about, you talk about your shit really soon on in any new friendship or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realise how lucky I was before just to be able to, like, shit in the toilet and it goes away and I never have to think about it. It becomes a whole yeah. new relationship. It really is. Oh. Like, every day, forefront of your mind. Oh, wow. Well, what a great end to this conversation. <laughs> I'll forever be imagining you now with just a big bag for life, looking really embarrassed. Oh, brilliant. Oh, God. At least wearing masks this year has really helped with that <laughs> yes hide that shame hide that shame well thank you so much for talking to me today lizzie that's all right thank you for having me i really enjoyed it brilliant all right well enjoy the rest of your day thank you you too. Bye. bye well the rain is coming down now as we reach the end of this episode but before I go, here is this week's bonus feature, the day I got my toilet. Today is a very special day for me. I'm just sat in my van and I'm waiting for the delivery of my brand new camper van cassette toilet. I've been using a bucket for the last few years so tomorrow me and my mum Jean are actually going to go away for a few days together in the camper van she's a 75 year old lady I feel she deserves some sort of actual toilet to use rather than a bucket it just doesn't didn't feel right so um, I'm just waiting now for the delivery I'm watching the road like a hawk I'm just sat in my van like come on come on come on <laughs> here he is Hello there. Hello. Is it um, for 17? Yeah. That's me. Hooray! Oh, you are doing a radio camper van, or something? I'm doing a podcast, and ah. you're you're delivering my um, new toilet. So I hope ah, you don't mind. Lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Bye.
really liked that delivery man. He was friendly. Okay, so let's have a look here. Oh, <laughs> it looks lush. I went for the Thetford Porter Potty 145, which is the smallest one, I think. Um, that's what all the cool kids are getting, so... <laughs> I decided to go for that one. I just know that they're like a well-known brand, so... And it wasn't that expensive as well. It looks better than my bucket, for sure. Right, let's get it out of the box. Right. It's kind of um, thin plastic, which is good, because it means it's lightweight. It's got like a toilet seat that looks really comfortable. It was 64.99, which is pretty good value. Apart from the material, as I said, it feels a bit cheap. So here we go, here's the instructions. So it's in two parts. The upper part is the seat and the place where the water that you use to flush it is stored. The lower part is where the waste is contained. To use the toilet, so you need to put two or three litres of water in the bottom, in the waste tank, and in the top, in the flushing tank, it says here you need to put 10 to 15 litres of water. So it's going to be pretty heavy once it's filled. When you finish doing your business, pump the flush. It's a bit difficult to push though. Then you close the sliding door and you're all done. Well, I cannot wait to try it. I'm really impressed with this. I'm sure that my mum will like it. I'm going to be like a queen on this thing. Wow. Oh, this is so exciting. I think I will keep my bucket though for old time's sake. <laughs> Thanks for listening to VFF's Van Life Podcast. If you want to write to me, it's vffspodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.